Well, good morning. It is such a joy to see so many familiar faces and worship with, all, with you all. For those of you I have not met, my name is Katie Mensel. I joined the Crossing staff about a year and a half ago as the elementary director for Crossing's Kids. This means I have the privilege of teaching second through fourth graders about Jesus each Sunday and Wednesday. It's a huge honor for me to be here teaching you all because I'm actually one of you. This is the obligatory um, picture of my family, um, but I joined mom's group about four years ago, the blonde snaggletooth in the middle and the front. Um, she was about three years old when I joined mom's group and the one in my husband's arms, uh, she didn't even exist. So, but here in women's Bible study on Monday morning, worshiping, declaring our faith and love for Jesus, this is where I fell in love with the Bible. It's where I finally believed that what was in the Bible was true and real. It's where God rebuilt my life on the firm foundation of his word. And what has ultimately led me to coming on staff at Crossings and being invited to teach to you guys today. So this is a huge, humbling, in full circle moment for me. All right, let's dig in before I start crying. We are in our new series, Life on the Vine, and we're looking at what it means to stay connected to God through the power of his Holy Spirit. We're exploring what it looks like to walk by the Spirit and abide in God. We're studying the result of the, that connection, the fruit that it produces in our life. And the concept of the fruit of the Spirit is in our anchor text in Galatians chapter 5. In verses 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And one caution before we go any further, Deidre told us that this letter was written by Paul to the Galatians to combat legalism. The church he had started um, had, was told that they had to follow the old Jewish laws in order to follow Jesus. So as we go into these weeks of breaking down these different this list of fruits, um, just resist the urge to see this as a to-do list that can be accomplished um, on your own if you try harder or do better. Don't buy the lie that if you're more patient or more kind, you can earn God's love or make him love you anymore. In fact, God cannot love you more than he loves you right now in this moment. We're saved by grace through faith because of our belief in Jesus Christ. How tragic would it be for us to turn this list into a form of legalism that Paul was preaching against? 
So let's talk about the fruit of the spirit we're focusing on today, the fruit of the week, if you will, the fruit you have been studying all week in your homework, love. We saw from the Galatians passage that love is the first fruit of the spirit listed. This makes sense to me and seems intentional because when you think about love and what it is, all of the other traits of the spirit flow out of love. You can't have patience without love and a trustworthy savior. You can't have self-control if your love is not in the right order. Love in the list of fruit throughout the Bible and in our faith is the overarching main idea or theme. Love is a defining quality of God and the Christian faith. So booyah to the rest of the teachers because my fruit is better than yours. <laughs> Not that it's a competition or anything. But don't just take my word for it. Let's see what the Bible says, um, and more specifically what the apostle of love, John, has to say about God and his love. The text we're going to look at is the same one from day two of your homework. It's 1 John chapter four, and we'll be looking at verses seven through 14. If you want to turn in your Bibles, um, 1 John can be one of the trickier books to find. Um, you can go to the front of your Bible and get the table of content, contents. There's no shame in the table of contents game. Or you can flip to Revelation, the last book of your Bible, and um, turn a few page, pages before that. We'll also have the text on the screen. The author, author of this letter, John, was one of Jesus's closest and dearest followers. He was in Jesus's inner circle and even referred to himself as the one that Jesus loved. Our fleshly reaction um, to, to John calling him that is to think that he's presumptuous or bragging. But it's more likely that he was so deeply changed and moved by the love of God, he chose to make Jesus's love the defining quality of who he was. It's with all that in mind that we read the words John wrote about love in chapter four. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. 
Well, we're gonna start with some keywords and phrases like we did last week with Deidre. You'll see that both God and love are mentioned in this passage a lot. I think my count over these verses that we just read was 13 for love and 22 mentions for God or something referring to God like father or he or him. We also see the phrase, God is love. So based on those observations alone, it's pretty straightforward that this passage is about God and love. This passage covers where love comes from, how God showed his love for us, how his love can be perfected in us, and even more. If we're going to have a good understanding of what this fruit of love is all about, we need to know it in our heads, believe it in our hearts, and live it out with our hands. Let's start with knowing God's love in our heads. The word used for love that is all over this passage in the Galatians verse is the Greek word agape. There are more complete and in-depth definitions for agape in your homework books, but a helpful description I've heard is that agape love is unselfish concern for another's well-being. It's wanting what's best for someone and wanting what's for their ultimate good. God's agape love is different from what the world offers us about love. The world said love, says love is about feelings and romance and desires. I mean, just watch one of those fragrance commercials. With the clothes and the stairs and the running and the swimming and the falling and sometimes all three of them combined. What in, what in the world is with those commercials? But biblical love is very different from the world's version of love. Dr. Cliff Sanders has a really beautiful way to help us understand what biblical love or holy love, as he likes to call it, is. He says that holy love will not give up on you. Holy love will not give out on you. And holy love will not give in to you. Let's expand on each one more. First, holy love does not give up on you. Period. Ever no matter what. Holy love will not give out on you. God's love is constant, inexhaustible. It has no end. I don't know about you all, but my love runs out a lot. <laughs> when I'm hungry or tired, it frequently, run, frequently runs out around 8 p.m. at my kid's bedtime. Coincidence. There are times when I give the hugs, I say the prayers, and then I'm done. I'm out of love to give. I can think of a specific time not so long ago, I actually closed the door on one of my daughters mid-sentence and exclaimed, mommy's no longer available. And I'm not trying to glamorize or condone my behavior. I also immediately was convicted of how I was not being loving or kind or patient or gentle. <laughs> but I also didn't go back in, just saying. <laughs> my, husband's, my husband Eric's love, his, it runs out when it's time to hand wash 
all of those water bottles. He is an extremely devoted husband and family man. He is so hands-on around the house, um, laundry, bath, dishes, you name it. He will wash a whole sink of dirty dishes and does almost every night because I like to pile them pretty high. But those water bottles that need to be hand-washed, nine out of 10 times, it's not happening. It's like the meatloaf song, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. But God's love isn't like that. And praise be that it's not. He doesn't slam the door in your face because he doesn't want to talk to you anymore. He wants to be with you and he doesn't tire of what's going on in your mind or concerning you. He will listen to you all night. And I know that from personal experience. God's holy love doesn't give out on you. Isn't his love so wonderful? Lastly, holy love doesn't give in to you. This isn't the one that typically makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside, but it's still good news for us. God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. His commands are because he loves us and he wants us to have life to the full. This means pruning, like we talked about last week, or it may mean setbacks so that you can realize your dependence on him. God's love is too perfect and too holy to give in to our misplaced desires. So with a better picture of God's holy love, let's look at the phrase, God is love, from our passage, but this time we're gonna look at the amplified version. It's in verse eight. This version, version offers um, more definitional descriptions and can help deepen your understanding. It reads, for God is love, he is the originator of love, and it is an enduring attribute of his nature. Another way to think of it is that God, love is the essence of who God is, meaning it's his basic nature or the most significant quality of him. And I realized that was a lot of information to deposit into our heads. So let's move from knowing about God's love in our heads to believing about it in our hearts. It's one thing to know about God's love, but we also have to receive it. We have to believe it. We have to let it penetrate into our hearts, in our core. And for that, we need to hear the gospel. Verses nine through 10 in our passage read, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God showed his love for us through his son, Jesus. He loved us first and he made the first move in this love story. A love story that goes back to the very beginning. God had everything he needed. He was perfect, lacking in nothing. He didn't need us for anything. And yet he created us out of love and for love. 
Our belief in the gospel and the facts that God sent his son for us to one, have life, and two, atone for our sins, this is how we receive God's love. Romans 5.5 states, And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God has poured his love into our hearts when we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, you have received God's love. But do you believe it? Do you start each day thinking about how much God loves you? Do you rest in God's love each night as you sleep? When you're rude to the cashier because they're out of, well, everything? Are you beating yourself up because you are rude again? Or do you believe God loves you even then? Well, at the risk of losing everyone by quoting the movie Frozen, um, what can I say? I have four girls and I've spent 100 plus hours of my life that I will never get back from watching that movie. There's a line at the end when Olaf says, only an act of true love can thaw a frozen heart. Now, I'm not typically one to take spiritual advice from Disney, <laughs> but in this case, I think Olaf is on to something. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In a single act of sacrifice by Jesus, an act of true love, we have received both hope to live a faithful life today and forgiveness for a debt we didn't pay. And believing in a love like that that will thaw a frozen, hardened heart. It did mine. Side note, don't you think Lainey and John Ortberg would be super proud of me for rhyming? I was pretty proud of myself. We need to know God's love in our heads, believe it in our hearts, then we're called to live it out with our hands. For Christians who are called to live out God's love with our hands, love is like the bumper sticker of our lives. I'll show you what I mean by that because I realize that's kind of a random thing to say. But I like to drive around and look at people's bumper stickers. Um, I take pictures of them and text them to my husband because I'm easily amused like that. But bumper stickers are visual representation of what the, driver, what the person driving the car is into or about it showcases what is important to them. For instance, if I show you a picture of this car, you can tell that the owners are into running. Thank you, okay. The second through fourth graders are a little more uh, verbal. <laughs> and if I show you a picture of this car, you can tell the owners are into Star Wars, exactly. I would also argue that they're into their family, right? It's a source of pride and joy for them. They like to showcase. And lastly, if I show you a picture of this car, you can tell the owners are into 
dogs, right, but more specifically, beagles. And these people are really into beagles. You can see they have the personalized license plate that says Beagle Bus. They have the stickers honoring the beagles that they currently have and the ones with the angel wings of the, the beagles of past. And their license plate cover, it even says beagles rule. This car, this beagle bus, this is what we should look like, but with love instead. Now, I don't mean that we should drive around town with love bumper stickers all over our cars. Um, I mean, depending on how much you glorify God with your driving skills, it may not be the worst or best idea, but that's not the point. My point is that people should be able to look at our lives, the way we treat others, the way we manage our time and money, everything, and tell that the love of God is the defining quality of our lives. Love not out of a sense of duty or our own efforts, that's not compelling nor sustainable. But love that's born out of devotion to and fellowship with a generous God who has given us his spirit. And if I'm gonna be honest, this is hard. I don't know about you, but my heart cries, how? It feels impossible. How can I stop yelling at my kids? How can I be more loving to my husband? How can I be less critical of others? How do I live in love in a way that brings honor and glory to God? Let's see what John says in verses 11 through 13. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. The spirit. It's the spirit that signals that we live in him and he in us. And if he lives in us, he will make his love complete in us. He has given us his spirit, which gives us both forgiveness from our sins and the power to walk in the freedom of them. I've been reading a book called Respectable Sins by Jerry Bridges and um, no sin is respectable, so don't let the title trip you up. But it's about how to get rid of the sins in our lives that we deem more respectable or that we tolerate because we consider them more respectable. Sins like anger, pride, selfishness, discontentment. He has a whole chapter on the Holy Spirit where he describes this principle of the Christian life that he calls dependent responsibility. He says this, we're responsible to put to death the sins of our lives. We simply cannot lay this responsibility on God and sit back and watch him work. At the same time, we're dependent. We cannot make one inch of spiritual progress apart from his enabling power. We have a responsibility to love others and to obey God's command, commands, but we cannot do it on our own. 
To live out God's love with our hands, we have to depend on him. Our inability to perform and love others perfectly should drive us straight to him. We have to come to him in total surrender and ask him to change us from the inside out. Once a day, once an hour, as needed. And consider that when you grow in love or patience or faithfulness, God will answer your prayer. It just may not be the way that you want him to or the way that you think he should. He'll give you ample opportunities to practice loving others. So don't be surprised by your successes, but don't be surprised by your failures. God is teaching you, he's training you, and he is transforming you into his image. The failures are actually opportunities to come to him and rely on his love. So for love to become the defining characteristic of our lives, we have to know it in our heads, we have to believe it in our hearts, and we have to walk it out with our hands. This isn't something we're gonna master on this side of heaven. It's a lifelong pursuit. It's staying connected to the spirit so he can manifest the fruit in your life according to the will of God. For the past several years, I've prayed a prayer that God would grow my love for him. It's a simple and powerful prayer, but I just wanna invite you all to join me in that prayer. Your leaders have some stickers that you can grab at small group. Um, no, they're not bumper stickers for your cars. Um, just a simple little sticker that you can put somewhere like on your homework, homework book, um, a mirror on your dash or your phone case. Look at me breaking the cardinal rule of stickers in my house. Stickers only go on paper. <laughs> but take a sticker, put it somewhere you'll see it. And when it catches your eye, send up a quick prayer asking God to grow your love for him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for each, um, each lady here, each woman here that just represents the work that you're doing in their lives. Thank you for the faith that you've given us through your son, Jesus. And thank you for the love that you've shown us so lavishly. We love you, Lord, and we just ask that you grow our love for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.